Hello, listeners, and welcome to another edition of Big Talk. I'm Alex Ashkin, your guest host for this evening. And tonight I am joined by the enthusiastic, the <laughs> multi talented, creative dynamo, Jeremy Gottwalls. How are you <laughs> doing this evening? Oh my gosh, Alex, I am fantastic. It's such a pleasure to be back on WFHB. And it's such a pleasure to be with you this evening. It's, it, we were, you know, you and I were just catching up. Alex, I haven't seen you in years. But yeah, I, I miss Bloomington. I miss the people of the city of Bloomington. I, I love my B town. I, I wouldn't be who I am today without Bloomington. So it's, it, it's so great to be with you and hang out on the show today. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the compliment and I know Bloomington loves you back. So let's start with a few of the basics about you. So Jeremy Gottwals, you are a Bloomington native now residing in Cincinnati, Ohio with your partner. You run both a PR and design firm, your Geronimo Media Company, as well as Holland Publishing, the sort of what got you started here. You have all sorts of stuff going on. In addition to that, you have a musical career, do some art and other things, and are quite the social media personality. One thing that in my initial research and preparing for this whole discussion, I pulled up a few of your own bios, and I think this really summed you up pretty well. It says, Jeremy is a designer writer, photographer, film producer, PR, and digital marketing expert, and a musician who is open for the Dalai Lama, John Mellencamp, and has made numerous network television appearances, including American Idol and MTV Networks Made. Moreover, he is one badass publisher and has handled, managed, and executed all of the odds and ends of every publishing project since day one. Man, how do you sleep? Well, <laughs> oh gosh, you know, one thing I will say is when that, that's a very old description. And when that description was written, I really wasn't sleeping. <laughs> that description was probably written circa 2015-ish, maybe 2016. I don't know. Um, not that anything has changed, just that I've become incredibly focused. I'd say the biggest thing that's changed in my life is that I have become hyper, hyper focused. My goals haven't changed. My dreams haven't changed. My personality hasn't changed. My creative force has not changed. But what has changed is my focus and how I move through the world and executing all these things. And my focus uh, for some time has been growing uh, my company. And, um, and I can speak a bit more about that and, and building an amazing team, building an amazing community of clients and uh, building the company of my dreams, not just for the sake of making money, but for the sake of having unlimited creative freedom and then also being able to pass that unlimited creative freedom along to my team and empower the people who work for my company with the same creative freedom, the same power to go and create and inspire the world. And then also, but ultimately also helping our clients realize their dreams. That's the really magical thing about 
what we do. So you asked me, how do I sleep? I actually sleep quite well. I get a lot of sleep these days. <laughs> sleep is very important. And um, there was a time once where I wasn't getting sleep. And uh, I, I, you know, found that work-life balance and um, God, God, I love sleep. I, I actually, I probably slept 10 hours last night. <laughs> I'm really happy to hear that you're at that stage professionally where you are now a mentor, a coach, a leader, being able to build up a whole roster and foundation of wonderful artists, creators, designers, because that is, I think, how we sort of spread out our message is that, you know, we only have 24 hours in a day. So being able to have people that we can <laughs> trust, people we can rely on and build greater things together. When you have a great team, the sum is greater than the parts. Moving back a little bit, talking about sort of having that infinite creative freedom, that space and opportunity to express yourself. So much of your initial attempts to sort of introduce yourself to the public sphere was through your music. And I mean, even since we were in high school, one of the things people associated with you is just kind of having your guitar strumming. Like if a yep. song comes to your head, you, you can literally just like make up a song on the spot and that, would do I that. Do that. <laughs> Absolutely. This exposure to the world also came through a little bit in your first network TV appearance on MTV. You performed for the Bloomington Battle of the Bands or at Rhinos back in the day. We always miss Rhinos and yeah, man, Rhinos. Well, that you know, you're you're touching on something really important there, which I'm going to go back to, which I think mm -hmm. is going to be a really big takeaway for our listeners today. Rhinos and the community that really empowered me as a kid. So let's let's go all the way back to when I was 14 years old. Everything that I do today, and everything that I am today, and everything I have today, and everything I've achieved today, started with a dream that I had when I was a kid, when I was a teenager. Um, and it started with Bloomington. I had the opportunity to, uh, you know, have a radio show on WFHB when I was only 14 and 15, when I was just a teenager. Um, I had the opportunity to write for the Herald Times uh, when I was in high school because of, Bloom because of Bloomington. Bloomington had, you know, youth radio, youth journalism programs, youth arts programs. I was allowed to have access to Adobe software, Creative Suite software when I was 14 years old through those programs. And so everything that I do professionally today was empowered to me through the through the youth arts and creative and media programs that were available to me as a kid, the community had it available. You know, it didn't matter what my socioeconomic status was. I came from middle class, like everyone else. It, it did like none, none of those things cost money. Um, and none of those things were hard to access. I just mm -hmm. had to show up. I didn't, ha there wasn't a barrier of entry. I just showed up and said, I want to write for the old times. And I got a column. I just showed up and said, I'm going to get a radio. I'm going to do a radio show on youth radio. And I got a radio show. And so those, I hope those programs still exist in Bloomington. I hope they're growing because those programs, they gave me professional media training as a teenager. 
you know, other teenagers were, I don't know what, I don't know what our peers were doing, but mm-hmm. I, but that was my training. That was my early training. And it was through that software, having access to software licenses like Adobe. I self-taught myself design, you know? And mm-hmm. so by the time I was a senior in high school, I was already freelancing, making websites and logos for Bloomington business owners. I was just 17 years old. Not, not because anyone told me to, but because I really had a serious passion for design through what I discovered through the Bloomington's arts and creative programs. And I just said, I'm going to go do this. And I, you know, didn't get, I wasn't very good then and I didn't get paid very much, but it was something and it was a start. And that's what, that's what youth need. Youth need a start, you know? And so you're talking about my music. My music was integral to all that. Rhinos was integral to all that. Rhinos was where I went to the youth radio program. And Rhinos was where I, before MTV, like way before, way before MTV, like this is all way before MTV, like MTV was, you know, when I was 17 years old, a little bit later, but like way before MTV, there was Rhinos and I was like, yeah, like I had an environment to grow as a musician and as an artist. My music is, is, has always been at the core of my existence as, uh, as well as these other sort of media disciplines that I was able to, I'm not a jack of all trades, master of none. I was able to start to hone these trades and at a very young age. So by the time I was 20 years old, you know, I, I went full time as a freelancer before I started my company, right before I started my company. But that was, but Bloomington made that possible. Mm. I, I can't imagine how I would have discovered those things if they hadn't been available to me then. If Bloomington's programs hadn't made it possible for me to have that access as a kid. So I don't know what's happening in Bloomington today. Uh, hopefully there's still training and, and, and professional experience accessible to Bloomington's youth. And MTV was really just like icing on the cake. I had already had all this amazing training, amazing mm-hmm. professional experience, uh, amazing transformation. You know, something I wrote about for the Herald Times when I was uh, 15 years old is that I, uh, or I think I was like actually 16 at that point, but I, I'd lost like 150 pounds. And you might remember this because mm-hmm. you and I went to high school together, but like I'd already experienced all these amazing things. And then MTV was just the icing on the cake. MTV also, yeah, it did accelerate my professional growth as a media person by about seven years. Uh, the first show I did for them, I ended up doing a couple shows for them. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I, you know, so there were all these great things, but, but Bloomington really made it happen. And, and Bloomington was this environment because like, I, I can't, I can't imagine growing up in some town where those things weren't there. And I, I, yeah. I wouldn't have had that access. So, so that catalyzed something really amazing. Um, and then, so everything I've built today I knew at the age of 19 and 20, I, I thought, you know what? Like, I, well, I want to be a musician. I want to be an entertainer. I want to be a creator. I want to have a creative life. I want to, I want to make a, a great living as a creator. But not only that, I want to empower others. I want to empower other creators, other entrepreneurs, and pass on that knowledge and that wisdom and that experience and help others. But, but not just for the sake of doing it, but also for the sake of just like, making a better world and, and, yeah. and, you know, help, helping others to also inspire and empower other people. And so that really exploded for me, uh, you know, at a young age, I, I, um, I only did a couple of years of college, but in spite of only doing a couple of years of college, I soaked up the Indiana university environment, like, a sponge, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I absorbed it through osmosis, but it uh, once again, 
it was Bloomington's unique sort of cultural milieu that allowed for me to have access to people so that by the time I said at the age of 21, because, you know, I didn't have yeah. money, I didn't have financial help. I, I said, I'm going to start a company. And while where I lacked in financial resources, I was actually a starving artist. So, you know, that's something else that a lot of people don't like really realize. Like, I, you know, they saw me dressing well, like they knew I'd been on TV. But when I was 20 years old, I was broke. You know, I, I was a starving artist. And no one would have known it. They made a lot of, I think people, you know, would have made a lot of assumptions about where I came from and what my status was, but no, I was a starving artist. And what I said at the age of 21, you know, I'm going to start a company and where I lacked in financial resources, I made up for in human resources. I knew people through the Bloomington community who I said, Hey, can you edit books for me? Um, Hey, will you, uh, you know, even though I was a designer, Hey, will you design books for me? Uh, And I was able to launch book events and host all these things. It, It was the publishing company that really started it. And mm-hmm. we were a hybrid publishing company and creative agency. And, and that's actually, things have come full circle. Both Geronimo and Holland are really evolving in powerful ways. Our team is growing, we're scaling. But, but Bloomington made it possible for me to walk down, the, literally just walk down yeah. the street, sit down, sit down at Soma coffee shop and say, hey, will you work for me freelance? And, and then, and then, you know, and a lot of my first clients did not come from Bloomington, actually. My my very first Mm -hmm. clients for design came from Bloomington, but, but the big step up was when I entered publishing services and the, my first clients for that did not come from Bloomington. They, and that's where I was able to tap into the internet and tap into the digital age. I was able to get clients from all over the country. And I think that it actually benefited me that like the, the tapping into the digital age, you know, be, being a really a pioneer of social media marketing. I, I was telling Bloomington businesses in 2010, Hey, you got to get on Facebook yep. I, and then you got to get on social media. And of course I was met with, what do you mean? And then in 2015, I was telling, you know, my real estate clients, Hey, well, you got to get on Instagram. And they're like, what do you mean? You got to get on Instagram. I'm like, yeah, okay. So mm-hmm. we were 10 years ahead of our time and we're, st- and we, and we're still actually, and I can, you know, and our team is flourishing and, and proving that every day. And, but, but yep. Bloomington gave that unique kinetic spark to say, okay, like we've, we, here's, here's like this, this access to mm-hmm. people, access to information. I'm so thankful and fortunate for that. It's been such a wild road, but it all began with that seed and that vision. And, um, Anyway, so I'll pause there mm-hmm. for a moment um, to to catch my breath. Um, <laughs> yeah, jeez, <laughs> thank you. We appreciate such a thorough and thoughtful answer. <laughs> you you literally hit like my first full page of questions. One of the things that honestly I love that you brought up is your ability and the exposure to all these different tools really gave you an a an opportunity not only to hone your skills, but to start understanding your place within your selected industries. When we start looking at the digital age and we start looking at tools like social media, you were trying to take it seriously when we were back in the days of MySpace and Tom was on all of our friends lists, you know? 
I was it, using MySpace bef- actually before, like we're talking 2007, eight, nine, I was using MySpace to promote my band and our shows. I was, I was doing social media marketing before the term existed. You're what, perhaps out of everybody I know, the most thoughtful and engaged with how they use social media as a tool, not only in terms of creating your own personal brand, which we will touch on a little bit later, but also being very holistic in your approach to design for a company, both from a logo to website to even why you name something the way you do. And I kind of want to touch on both of your companies. First, Han Publishing. Yep. Your baby. Well, they're both your babies, but your firstborn. Holon is a unique name. Would you like to share with our listeners, what's a Holon? I'm so glad you asked. So the year was 2011, uh, 10 years ago this fall, and I was reading a book called An Omnivore's Dilemma by Michael Pollan. And he was talking about this farmer named Joel Salatin, who constructed, he made a fully self-sustaining farm where nothing came in from the outside, fully self-sustaining farm that was organized in haulons, these sort of self-sustaining systems. A haulon is a system, but really in the simplest terms, a haulon, it comes from the word holistic and the word proton. A haulon is something that is a, 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 a self-sustaining whole by itself. It's, a, it's simultaneously a part of a greater whole and by itself it is whole. So uh, the, the essence of holonic thinking is holistic thinking. And it, the, es- the essence of holonic thinking is that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. It's, it's, it's systems of symbiotic relationships. And so more specifically, this farmer had created ingenious ways inspired by like, I think Argentinian, uh, don't quote me on that, Argentinian farming practices, where he had found these ways to, for instance, leverage the natural relationships of animals Mm -hmm. to do the work on the farm. More specifically, one example is that he created these portable chicken coops Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. would allow them to move the chickens in the pastures behind the cows and the chickens would fertilize the manure that the cows leave behind. But what this did was it fertilized the pastures. It also fed the chickens creating protein rich eggs because they would eat all the pests and it allowed the cows to be free range and allowed the chickens to be free range and allowed the cows to not to be grass fed. And then it allowed the cows to not have to be fed antibiotics because the pests were all killed and eaten by the chickens. So this is one of like hundreds of systems that this same farmer used that he also used these portable turkey coops through the orchards, which would fertilize the orchards, kill all the pests, eliminate the need for pesticides. In the winter, he would layer uh, the cow manure in the barns with uh, wood chips and corn, and the corn would become uh, fermented. And in the spring, he would let all the pigs come in, 
They pigs would root around in the manure, fertilizing the manure, eliminating human labor, and and the pigs would you know get tasty little fermented corn that they would you know get drunk off of. So this farm was <laughs> built with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of systems like this, which el- eliminated human labor, eliminated waste, eliminated mm-hmm. cost, and allowed everything to be self-sustaining. So I read this at the age of 21 and I was like, oh my God, that's how businesses need to be operated and ran. That's how, if, and everyone at the time was telling me, Jeremy, you need to start a company. You know, why don't you start a company? Like you're clearly born for that. And I was like, well, I don't have any money. I don't, I don't have any, I don't know the first thing about starting a company. I was like, you know what, well, screw it. I'm going to do it. And so I decided to start the company. And so I was like, hold on. That's how companies need to be ran. That's how businesses need to be. They need to be symbiotic. They need to have, they need to be holistic in their thinking, in their relationships with their team, in their relationships with their clients and customers, and in their community. They need to be, have these symbiotic relationships with their world. And so that was the vision behind Holon. Holon was the beginning. And now it's funny because we, for the longest time, I thought Geronimo was going to be it like I, I thought oh Holon was a great start and then I started Geronimo and it's really one company it's got Walls mm-hmm. Media Group is like the parent company but like I thought Geronimo made a lot more like I was like oh yeah the yeah. branding and the marketing services like that mm-hmm. clearly but I think some come full circle and Holon is actually really what we're scaling right now I had imposter syndrome because I thought, oh, book publishing and publishing services, I, mm-hmm. I, I just like, oh, you know, I didn't think it was as scalable, but it's actually even more scalable than the marketing services and the yeah. PR services. Well, Holland was the beginning. I looked at companies in, in our in Bloomington's own author solutions as an example. Mm-hmm. They're, they're kind of what you might call like factory farm publishing services. They're kind of like yep. fast food publishing services. And then we, what we were creating in the beginning was very, very boutique. I, I have to admit, the first five years were so hard and we almost didn't make it and we almost failed. Like, every, you know, we didn't have investors. I didn't have, again, I didn't have financial help. Totally bootstrapped. Totally. Somewhat, yeah, I was on a, I was in a, a call yesterday with a potential client and he's like, are you guys funded? I was like, well, yeah, we're self-funded through our client dollars. And I actually have salaried employees now who are paid because of the services we provide to our clients and our community. But it took us a very long time to get there. We've stayed bootstrapped. We've had opportunities for investors. We've stayed bootstrapped for a, a good reason. We we are we have offers right now for, for potential investors that we are entertaining so to grow. But that's the beautiful thing. And similar to Joel Salatin and the way he built his farm, you know, we have grown slowly. We've grown deliberately. It's always been really important to me to build a company that was holistic and to build a company where everyone who worked for that company was passionate and loved the work and and to build a company where the work we do for our people is really making a difference is really great for them and to, and to not make compromises for my own well-being that's the other thing for in the early years I did as an entrepreneur I, I like you said I didn't get enough sleep I I made all the mistakes that entre- that young entrepreneurs make in their 20s I made every mistake you can make 
but always with great intentions. But I, I'm thankful for those mistakes. I'm thankful for that road. I'm thankful that I learned the hard way. I know 19 year olds now who are making r- ridiculous amounts of money running their companies, but they they are not going to have to learn in the as hard as I had to learn. But at the same time, they are they're they're repeating the same mistakes that I made. You know, and so it's just like this interesting thing. And so I, I'm fortunate enough to be in a community of marketing agency owners. It, it's a really cool di- uh, digital community. And I'm fortunate enough to be able to pass on my experience. Michael Pollan's An Omnivore's Dilemma. It is such an educational, eye-opening book. Furthermore, Joel Salatin, owner of Polyface Farms, can't recommend the guy enough uh he also has a wonderful (laughs) book called everything i want to do is illegal um that (laughs) is absolutely hilarious it's like a manual for thinking outside the box so i think they're perfect inspirations for a guy just like yourself thinking about thinking outside the box i feel like geronimo was perhaps one of your most conventional ideas given Uh, where you were at the time you know you were already doing digital marketing uh professional branding website design social media all that sort of stuff so geronimo kind of seemed like the next logical progression for your work yeah I know you have a certain level of spirituality, both through your Buddhism and appreciation for different cultures. So famously enough, Geronimo is the one of the great Apache leaders. There's also sort of the association with taking a leap of faith right before you go, Geronimo. Which came from the Native American leader. He was this warrior who never surrendered and Geronimo was this rebel and he led, you know, he just never gave up. And eventually he did surrender. But the amazing thing is that, you know, during his time, his adversary was, well, the, the, the infant U.S. military. And I think it's very beautiful and ironic that it came full circle that that World War in World War II, when, when pilots would jump out of their planes, they would they would yell his name. They would invoke the name of the person that they, that used to be their adversary. So in the end he won, it's like, even though he surrendered and it's like in the end, Geronimo won because the person who used to be his adversary now invokes his name, like a mantra or a prayer before they go into battle. And so in that way, Geronimo became immortal because the, his, his enemy bent the knee to him. La la la. Hi, Michael Glab here, producer and host of Big Talk. My co-host Alex Ashkin always finds the most fascinating people to interview. And as is so often the case, his chat today with Jeremy Gottwals ran way over our allotted half hour. So we're going to air the second half of this conversation, but it won't be next week. Our next show, Thursday, September 30th at 5.30 p.m., will be a time-sensitive edition featuring folks from the Harmony School here in Bloomington. The week after that, Thursday, October 7th, we'll present part two of Alex Ashkin with Jeremy Gottwals. Thanks for joining us. This is 
Big Talk.